Hello, this is Sandra Gidley, President of the RPS. Welcome to the latest Prescast. Delighted today to be talking to Vicky Rutter, who is the Executive Director of CPA. Hi, Vicky. How are you? Hi, Sandra. It's great to be here. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Sure. I'm a pharmacist, obviously, by training. Um, I've got quite an interesting career, I think. Where to begin? I I first started in um, a pharmacy shop in a Lloyd's chemist in uh, Belvedere when I was 16. And that's where I sort of really fell in love with pharmacy. And it was just that marriage of science and people. And they were and they still are my two kind of big passions, really. So I went on to study pharmacy at the London School of Pharmacy, as it was then. And I think my international journey really began there where I met some amazing people from all around the world. It was very multicultural, very international. And I think that's what set me on the path that I'm on now. So I graduated from there um, in 2001, went on to do my pre-reg at Lewisham and then followed that by four years at Barts in the London, where I became a specialist cardiac pharmacist, doing a lot of work in their cardiothoracic ICU. And then said to my husband, oh, what do you reckon? Should we move to Singapore? Both found jobs. And despite some of the comments from people that I knew working out there regarding how tough the work culture was, we decided to give it a go. So I ended up working in Singapore for a good few years and we spent 10 years there and really kind of crafting out both my husband's career and also mine, where I went on to do a lot of work with the pharmacy associations there, running their national conferences and also helping to develop their pharmacy workforce. We did a lot of work with Australia and also the UK, setting up collaborations, looking at really forging a career path for pharmacists there. And um, that's probably one of the things that I'm most proud of today, I should say. Just the, the challenge to actually integrate into a different culture and then actually help to make a difference and work collaboratively across different nations was, was a real challenge. And um took on this role as the executive director of the Commonwealth Pharmacy Association. Lots of people who move just love it so much they don't want to come back. So what did bring you back to the UK? It was just a change of job for my husband, really. It was an experience working there and I loved it in so many ways. And the work culture there is something completely different to here. And when I arrived, I was working full time as a pharmacist. I was working five and a half days a week. Um, plus every other Sunday so that left me with just two days off a month Um, so once uh, my family came along um, it was a considerable challenge to find time for everything as I'm sure you can imagine. Um, I managed to drop my hours a bit and I was working more at a kind of strategic level looking at their workforce development and helping various hospitals to implement competency-based training for pharmacists so I managed to kind of forge a, a, a niche for myself there And I would have happily stayed, but yeah, it was a change of role for my husband, which meant that we had to come back. But we'd only initially meant to stay for 18 months, so 10 years later. I'm sure that many, many parents can empathise with the problems of trying to achieve that work-life balance. Tell us a little bit more about the CPA, Commonwealth Pharmacy Association, but why was it initially set up? I had heard very little about the association until I I came back to the UK and applied for this role. But the CPA has been going a long time. It was set up in the 1970s by the Royal Pharmaceutical Society, in fact. And a lot of the older generation are much more familiar with the work that they've done. The um, charity was set up to really share the resources between low and middle income countries and higher resource settings. 
and help to develop the pharmacy profession and really strengthen the profession through supporting national pharmacy associations come that kind of voice of pharmacy um, in their countries. So it's been going a long time and since the kind of 70s, the um, RPS has been supporting countries by sending British national formularies out to um, low middle income settings and those books have become a lifeline to pharmacists and we still carry on that farm aid scheme so that's the reason it was set up and I think it has a very strong uh, link to the RPS and we've always had that special relationship with RPS even though in 2015 we became an independent charity and for various different reasons we still enjoy that very close relationship. Well that's very good to hear that things have been moving on. What changes have you brought since you became executive director? That's a very good question. Um, I think um, when I took up the role in 2016, I was handed this brand new charity that had been part of a big organisation for a long time and it was really struggling to find its identity. I like to think that we've given it sort of an identity and a new direction and a new vision really since then. And I think when I picked it up, it was really a network, a really good network, but it was a network which did farm aid, so the distribution of BNFs and used to run these conferences every two years around the Commonwealth to helping to support the development of the National Pharmacy Association's conferences in low middle income countries. And from there, I've drawn together a really great team of people with, who are very like-minded, want to make a difference and want to kind of um, help support colleagues around the Commonwealth who provide better quality pharmacy practice um, to patients, but also help to facilitate better access to medicines. So we've really developed our strategy over the last four or five years. Um, we've got core focus areas now, which we, we did not have before. And we've got key work streams based around developing the pharmacy workforce the practice and education resources that we're sort of co-developing as a sort of umbrella organisation. And we're also doing a lot of work around advocacy and campaigns. I'm currently on the um, Commonwealth Advisory Committee for Health and representing pharmacy professions in sort of civil society around the Commonwealth and able to make recommendations directly to health ministers about what needs to be on the agenda for their meetings. We've come a long way, I think, from just being that network Um, And hopefully um, giving people a chance to sort of come on board and be involved more in our work and increasing the visibility of our organisation as well. It's really great to hear that we're being represented at um, that sort of high international level because that's something we don't very often hear about. The advocacy work is obviously really important as well. But is there a particular work stream that you personally feel most engaged with? You're probably not allowed to say that, but you have (laughs) our favourites. What's yours? I think for me, the um, work we've done around antimicrobial resistance has really helped to promote the role of pharmacists internationally. So back in uh, 2017, I think, you know, when the WHA uh, first agreed on the global work plan for AMR, um, I saw a real opportunity for pharmacists here because as gatekeepers of medicines and experts in medicines, we've got a massive opportunity to help to support the better use of antimicrobials. And at that time, and actually to this date, pharmacists often struggle to be recognised within sort of multidisciplinary teams and they kind of fight to get the roles which they've been trained for in a lot of the countries we work with so 
AMR really came in as an opportunity for us to demonstrate the impact that pharmacists could have at that multidisciplinary team level and also open doors for them to become more involved in clinical practice. So I managed to pull together a partnership with the Tropical Health Education Trust and get some funding from the UK government to develop the Commonwealth Partnerships in Antimicrobial Stewardship. And that's been incredibly successful. We've got 12 partnerships in four African countries. And those uh, partnerships consist of NHS pharmacists working with their counterparts to develop antimicrobial stewardship capacity. But the important thing is that there's a real focus on pharmacy there. And pharmacists are um, encouraged to lead on those partnerships. And it's made a massive difference in terms of training healthcare professionals in better use of medicines, collecting surveillance data, but also raising that profile of pharmacists and opening doors for them to be sitting on national advisory committees on AMR and also to give them more opportunities to be invited into other clinical areas now that they've shown what they can do in the AMR space. I was privileged to be part of a celebratory event about that and I must admit I thought oh how can you do a celebratory event by Zoom but there was some real heartwarming stories the pharmacists who had got involved in the scheme many of them had managed to visit the African country in question but there was a palpable sense of excitement from both sides both partners and there was also a lot of evidence as to how pharmacists had really made a a difference and I have to say I I sometimes can feel a little bit jaded with everything going on but it was really heartwarming stuff so from what you just said it sounds as though those pharmacists are now going on to do other things which is absolutely fantastic yeah absolutely and I'm so proud of our NHS colleagues like really stepping up out of their comfort zone and really making a difference and encouraging their counterparts to push the boundaries for pharmacy and improving access and quality and use of medicines in, in countries they're working with but It has been like a real example of a true partnership because there's been that two-way learning and the pharmacists from the NHS will tell you how much it's developed them as people in terms of their leadership skills, in terms of being able to um, cope in poor resource settings. And, you know, when COVID came along, they were much more prepared for this change and this crisis. And they managed a lot better than um, they would have done had they not had that experience. I think one of the things that you're probably aware of is the um, hand sanitizer video that, that we created in collaboration <laughs> with Commonwealth. And that was a real partnership between the Brighton Lusaka team and Zambia. And they got together and created this animation on how to make alcohol based hand rubs. And that was something which the NHS pharmacists were using as much as our counterparts in Africa, um, who are probably much more experienced at making products from scratch than we are these days. So um, that was a real testament to that partnership working. And the Commonwealth got hold of the fact that we were doing this and they offered to fund it. And really that has raised the profile of pharmacy now within the Commonwealth. And we're often asked to now join working groups. And it's really made a big difference in terms of how we're seen internationally. So this little project has had such a massive impact way outside of them. Um, and also points out how we all face the same challenges. And how else did COVID affect what you do? You've mentioned the hand sanitizer, but were there other ways that you had to adapt what you do or different things that you had to bring on stream? 
Yeah, so when COVID first hit, we sent out survey to our members and we've also been doing a sort of series of interviews around the Commonwealth with National Pharmacy Associations, just asking them, you know, what their current needs, how can we better support them? So as a response to that, we created some um, sort of online resources and also ran some webinars and um, to support our colleagues and each other at that, that time. And we also um, work with the RPS to share some resources there. So the RPS have done some excellent webinars um, regarding like clinical practice around COVID-19 patients. So we were able to collaboratively work with the RPS to make those webinars available to our members. And we've produced a system where they can then get a CPD certificate um, for attending those. And that's been really well received across the Commonwealth. Um, and a real good example of where that special relationship with the RPS is still playing out as we move forward. So yeah, we've done that. I think we've all had challenges. We've got a small team and we've lots of us have got families and our colleagues overseas have obviously got families at this time as well. And often having them at home or trying to juggle work and all the other priorities, it's been a challenge, but COVID in a way has brought us closer together and really let us connect that human component. So being on calls and talking to our counterparts overseas, and we're all facing these same challenges no matter where we live. So it, it brought us closer together as well as doctors travelling and seeing people face to face. There is this perception sometimes that these organisations are just set up for people like me to visit other countries, which is absolutely far from the truth. I was really impressed by the enthusiasm that your team displayed at the AGM. Now, AGMs are uh, things that are usually endured, but I have to say I really enjoyed the CPA AGM because I learned so much about what you were doing and I could see the, the reach and the focus there. But as we start to think about what CPA are doing in the, in the future, what do you think the priority is? You've got six work streams. What, what's having the most traction at the moment? Our priorities really are to um, keep working with the AMR and work we're doing. That's a really important component for us. Um, and we're hoping to extend the current Commonwealth Partnerships and Antimicrobial Stewardship Scheme. So the partnerships in Africa that, that we've spoken about. Yeah. We're hoping that um, that's going to be extended to another four countries um, in the in the coming year. So that's a very important work stream for us, um, as I said, in terms of better use of antimicrobials, but also using um, that as an opportunity to raise the profile of the profession and open doors in other places. How do people get involved in that if they are listening and thinking, I really like the sound of that? There's two ways. So first of all, there'll be a call out for new partnerships or for people to build on existing partnerships as well. If we're successful in getting funding from UK government, which is a challenge in itself at the moment because of COVID, there's lots of spending reviews, as I'm sure you can imagine. So we're, we're kind of envisaging that things may get a bit delayed, but hopefully they will still happen. They can apply to be part of partnerships. That, we're, that will be set up as part of the second round. They can also write to us and volunteer their skills or expertise and we can sort of take that on board and try to get them involved as kind of technical advisors or volunteers. We've got several sort of volunteers from around the Commonwealth that have been um, sort of really integral to, you know, the work that we've done there. So there's various different ways. So what else are you excited about for the forthcoming year? We've also recently launched our continuing professional development platform, 
which is very exciting. Um, and we're looking to ramp that up pretty quickly this year and getting uh, more countries on board and also um, developing more programs. So that's another way people can become involved with us if they're interested in helping to support writing um, programs for CPD in, in specialist areas. Um, and that's something that has been um, in our vision for a long time. And it's really um, amazing to actually see this come into fruition. And the idea is that this online platform is a platform made by pharmacists around the Commonwealth for pharmacists around the Commonwealth. So it's very much practitioner focused, bite-sized modules that people can take on a mobile phone in low resource settings, low bandwidth. And it's producing certificates at the end of modules which are co-branded by the CPA and also the National Pharmacy Association. So it's a two-pronged approach where we're raising the profile of that professional body and trying to get members to see that that's a resource that not just CPA is providing, but that National Pharmacy Association as well. And we're hoping that it will draw some of the higher income countries in and to sort of support this and perhaps we can then sort of signpost out to some of their fantastic resources that they have available as well such as RPS of course so that's the second thing that I'm very excited about and then thirdly we've got so many advocacy opportunities available to us through our affiliation to the Commonwealth and it's quite exciting seeing things that we're doing actually being represented in recommendations to governments. We've just managed to kind of um, increase the priority of AMR on, on government agendas. And that's something that we'll continue to work on, but also workforce development. And we are on a continuing sort of path to advocate to governments that when they're investing in the health workforce, it's not just doctors and nurses, but pharmacists as well. And this is the value add that we bring. And that's something that is being recognised and taken up. And we've seen it reflected in various recommendations in um, uh, health ministers and, and sort of high level government meetings. So that's very exciting. And we're hoping to build on that work as well. Fantastic. So there's a huge amount going on. Remind me how many members of staff you have, because people might think, um, listening to all that, that this is um, an enormous organisation. We're a very small organisation where we rely a lot on volunteers and consultants. So in terms of employees, and um, we have two actual employees, but we have many consultants working for us at the moment. I think my team is about 20 in terms of temporary employees and people that come in and, and do some advisory work for us. And we also work with other organisations and we contract out some of the work that we've got. So although it sounds small, we do have a sort of a wider team um, and that's growing all the time. Somebody listening today may want to take a closer look. What's the best way for them to see what's needed, see what the opportunities are to get involved? So we have a website, www.commonwealthpharmacy.org. Um, you can have a look on there you can follow us on and um, we're on twitter and facebook as well but if you want to get involved there's a volunteer form on the website you can fill in or contact us if, if you'd like to kind of have more information so there's various ways you can be involved with us so as a volunteer there's positions of work that come up we just put out a call for um project managers and um, amr advisors and communications officer as well so that's all on twitter or linkedin and we also have the opportunity to become patrons and quite a lot of eminent pharmacists in the UK and around the world are now on our patrons page. So that's a way that you can um, sort of support us by kind of endorsing our work publicly, but also financially. And it's not a large donation that we ask for, but 
it's just something that helps to kind of keep our general funds up enable us to continue our work because I think we're constantly being told that we're operating on a shoestring and punching far above our weight so um, we're not spending funds on traveling around the world and uh, enjoying uh, the sights of the commonwealth we manage our resources very well and we're a very lean organization but any um, income we can get and any support that we can get we're very appreciative of lots to get excited about and i hope people listening to this will feel motivated to go and do more with the cpa i know that there's a huge community of diaspora in the uk and we'd really like to get them more involved in in our work for instance if we have pharmacists from various commonwealth countries that are registered pharmacists in the uk that would like to connect more with the profession in their own um, home country and would like to sort of help with the development of relationships and the engagement that we can get with pharmacists out there and also to help develop some of the work streams we'd really love to hear from them but I hope that we've now given CPA a kind of real future and we've redefined the organisation and I think that we we're definitely on the up Covid has caused a lot of challenges but I think also it's given us a lot of opportunities Pharmacy has become visibly key workers across the globe, you know, and I think that, you know, it's a time for our profession to shine. And I'm so proud of what I've seen from our profession around the Commonwealth, you know, supporting the current pandemic. And I hope that off the back of this, we're going to see a lot more positive developments um, in terms of integrating better into the workforce globally and seeing that investment actually in the profession and real recognition for the skill set that pharmacists bring. Well, it's been an inspiration and the CPA has gone from strength to strength under your leadership, Vicky. So I'd like to say thank you. I'm now involved partly because of my RPS role as a counsellor. And I think it's an organisation that is doing such a lot of good, which is why I wanted to bring it to people's attention. Thank you very much for what you do and thank you to all of those volunteers with CPA. Thanks, Sandra. It's been a pleasure. Thank you.